0: Welcome to the Grow People podcast. Uh, Pastor Jason, of course, on his sabbatical, but the podcast continues, as does everything in the life of the church. My name is David Stein. I'm the campus pastor of our Revolution Canton location. The purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help grow Grow people. people. See, he's a guest and he already knows how to do it. Uh, As Pastor Jason's sabbaticals... uh, And I hope you're doing the things that he's asked you to do. Pray for him and his family, pray for the church and show up, stay engaged, please. Uh, gather, serve, give joining us on the podcast. The other voice, one of the absolute gems in ministry. And I, I probably met you six years ago. It's been a while. Yeah. Six or seven years ago. Yeah. And we had an immediate connection, um, He's super cool. He's, I like, I like uh, to call that a bromance. Okay. A it, 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 you know what I
1: mean? It, it, it felt genuine. You know? It Let's did. Just, it, we'll just it say did. that. It did. <laughs> and
0: and uh, we call him family. And all of our church planters that have come in here are part of the Revolution family. Um, he planted a church in Paulding County. Uh, so we've had a church planter from Scotland, a church planter from Johns Creek, church planter now in Paulding County. He He's the lead pastor of Creekside Church in Paulding. Please welcome Greg Sizemore. Come on. Thank you. Uh, your hat game is the first thing we have to talk about. Oh, let's it, go. And and I noticed that right away. Okay. You know, we we did have this connection right away, uh, when our church planning network would get together. And and that was six or seven years ago when Pastor Jason was just taking me places and saying, Hey, this we don't know what your path is, but here, hang out. We have lunch.
1: Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> and, free, free lunch is always yeah, a good motive. And, and we're like, going to talk
0: about some things. <clears throat> that's and, right. and that's how we met. But I did notice your hat game. Um, I appreciate that. And your is it melon? So is, melon, yeah, M E L I N. I mean,
1: this was. I mean, it, I think it's a popular brand.
0: It is. I yeah. see
1: it all the time mm-hmm. on my like Instagram mm-hmm. reels and mm-hmm. things like that. So uh, this is a product of really good marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw them because they're they're actually pretty expensive hats, way more expensive than I'm comfortable spending for a hat. Mm-hmm. But they make really good gifts. So my wife has gotten me uh, three now as as gifts, like for Father's Day or birthday. Or um, so yeah, it's one of those it's one of those products you would never buy yourself, mm-hmm. but when you receive it as a gift, you're really glad you got it. Do you ever so, not wear a hat? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, not to brag but I have pretty good hair game too. So like I, I try to, I, try, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I'm very <laughs> <That's> uncomfortable now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's funny. I haven't always been a hat guy. So that's, uh, but I do, it, it's, it's a quick, easy way to uh, get ready in the morning. And so if you have a nice hat, it's uh it's good. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Quick, easy way for me is just shave my head, Yeah. which I've been doing long
1: before. It was cool. My, 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 now, curious is this is this because you're naturally balding, or you just you like the oh, bald vibe? So oh, like, can you grow hair? Or, no. Or, okay. So. No.
0: I mean, I can do the bozos on the side, okay. but uh, <laughs> my my hair jumped ship. Um, I want to say late '80s, early '90s. Okay. So I was in my 20s. Okay. when that happened. Yeah. And it was, and I have, then I pulled it back in the Steven Seagal ponytail nice. thing. And, nice. and, that, and that worked.
1: Early 90s, that that worked for me. Come on, um, bro. Anytime then, you can use a Seagal reference, reference yes. like, that's a good day. <laughs>
0: it is. <laughs> that is, it a is. Good,
1: and some young listeners are like, who the crap is that? You know? <laughs>
0: exactly. So, but they have the Google machine. That's so right. Look can, him up. He's they, amazing. They can, <laughs> um, the. The ponytail was was good until there really wasn't much to pull back. Right. So yeah. cut that off and uh, shave my head the first time in, in probably ninety four. Okay. Nineteen ninety four. So yeah. be, before Bruce Willis was shaving his head yeah. back, he was still doing moonlighting, and then
1: then all of a sudden,
0: you know, he made it
1: popular. It's amazing. Yeah. So well, you look. It looks good. Well, you, you pull it off. Not everybody can do that. So. Appreciate
0: that. Second yeah. question, and just as important. And we ask every guest, um, because Pastor Jason, of course, you know, is from Texas.
1: Yep, yep. Come on. Your thoughts on Whataburger? Whataburger's good. Okay. It is. Yeah, right. it's absolutely good. Because I'm from, I don't, you know that, right? I'm from Texas mm-hmm. as well. So I grew up in Houston. And uh, yeah, it's funny. My mom is still like a huge Whataburger fan. So like we go to Florida every year for big family trip. And mm-hmm. there is a Whataburger that yeah. we pass. And every, every time... It doesn't matter. She's going to get a Whataburger. It doesn't matter what time. Sometimes mm-hmm. she'll get it and then not even eat it, then take it back, which is still about an hour from the condo. So it's still like cold and soggy, but she still loves it. You know oh, what I'm saying? But yes. no, Whataburger's legit. It's yeah, good. And then there, there actually is one not there, far from us now somewhere. Yes, there, I, I passed it the other day. There's was one in Woodstock. There's one in Kennesaw. Oh, maybe it was Kennesaw that I saw. Yep. But yeah, I was shocked to actually see one. So. Yeah, it's
0: on Chastain. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, growing up, thought it was a water burger, mm-hmm. and then figured out oh, they're actually saying what a burger. Like yes, it's an actual phrase. Yes, they so, are. Yeah, yeah. not yeah.
0: not like water buffalo from the Flintstones. Right. Completely, right. completely different.
1: But so, have you had a what a burger? Oh, burger? Oh, I have. So, are you a fan? I think it's very good. It is good. I think it's a. Yeah. I think it's a good burger. It's kind of a. It reminds me of like a Sonic burger a yes. little bit. Kind of mm-hmm. has that same same mm-hmm. vibe, which is yeah. A, a and I spent
0: seven years in Los Angeles, so every really, though is it better than In and Out? I I don't I don't like comparing burgers. Sure. Yeah. Um now I, for fast food burgers, whataburger, in and out, right. Tommy's burgers sure. in California. Yeah. I mean, they're all very good. Yeah. Um, it's not as good as Shake Shack. Yeah. Have you had a Shake Shack?
1: I I don't think so. Oh, that, where's this at? Oh, there's or one Shake there's
0: Shack. there's one in Roswell. Okay. So Shake do yourself Shack. a favor. Yeah. Head head on out to Roswell and get it. All a, right. Get that. All right. We've got the important things uh That's out right. of the way. Hat game and whataburger. Um We're really thankful you're here. Appreciate it. Um, You're going to be a gift to, oh, you already are a gift to our church, but it's so cool to see church planters come in and our people see that their generosity helps fuel the gospel, whether it's in Scotland or in Paulding County, uh, because the gospel moves forward regardless of what we do, but it is so important that we fuel it so that more people hear about Jesus. That's good. So let's start from the beginning. Let's yeah. start with uh, we, Greg Sizemore. Um, when did Jesus change your life? What's your uh, story? Oh,
1: man, it's good. Um, so grew up in a Christian home, uh, Houston, Texas, suburbs, mm-hmm. kid. Uh, I was the baby of four brothers. Uh, parents were your typical baby boomer uh, generation, both full-time jobs. So we were kind of latchkey kids, raising ourselves, figuring it out, mm-hmm. very independent, very um, they took us to church. Uh, they loved my dad loved evangelism. Uh, he was one of the, you know, they called it soul winning back in the mm-hmm. day. He yeah. was one of those trained soul winners. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, I had a really pretty normal childhood. No, no drama, no trauma. Uh, but I do remember, I mean, I was young. I think it was, I, you know, I don't have like the date. Um, but I mean, I was six or seven years old. Uh, remember literally hearing the gospel preached. Um, it was very clear in that moment. Um, Jesus makes sense. He sounds like a cool guy. Um, sounds like he actually does love me. The fact that he would come and live and die for me, mm-hmm. and it was this: recognize that you're a sinner. Here's the penalty yeah. for your sin, and you know you have a choice. What do you do? And I yes. just remember, I'm a very logical person. Even as a six, seven year old, I was like, okay, there's there's a crossroad here. I probably should should make a decision. And mm. grew up in the independent Baptist world so just as I am was the the closing line and they're gonna <laughs> sing that over and over until you respond okay
0: <laughs> all right
1: so no but I I did I had an altar call moment going forward not really knowing mm-hmm. why but you know feeling this mm. Holy Spirit conviction of like you're supposed to call upon the name of Jesus and so I did and I remember um you know it's funny my brother he's quite a bit older my brother Bill which mm-hmm. you know you know Bill he's he's a pastor out in uh, the in Paulton County as well. But he was uh, he was quite a bit older, so I was he was graduating high school right when at this time, mm-hmm. so we're like 12 years apart. And I remember going home. I think it was a couple days after kind of that moment that I would call my conversion moment. I remember having a conversation with him just like, you know, Bill, how do I know that I know that I know? you know kind of thing. Yeah. I was really wrestling with this sure. like is this a one and done thing yeah. or like how do I how do I know that I'm saved and mm-hmm. He walked me through some scriptures and mm-hmm. um, kind of just reaffirmed, like, okay, well, then I feel I feel good. I mean, that's what I did, and you know, I, I believe this, and it was really cool. Like in my story, though, I feel like my evangelical giftings kind of came out pretty pretty quickly. Um, I would say, I mean, I was probably ten years old when I led my first like friend to Jesus wow. just by sharing the gospel, and you know, I just had this real burden. You know, I'm I'm one of those loyalist at heart. And mm-hmm. so it's like if I call you my friend, you're like really my friend. And um and I kinda had that logical understanding of like, man, if this is true, then I'm a terrible human being if I don't tell people, tell my friends that I claim to love, you know, about about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so it was that invite your friends to church and, you know, share the gospel when you could and um fast forward a little bit. I'll just kinda try try to timeline my mm-hmm. my story here. There's a couple pillar can we can, can we, moments, can
0: but, we... Can we hang Absolutely. on what you just said for a second? Yeah, please. If this is true, I am a terrible friend if I don't tell my friends about Jesus. That's it. I, I, w- I want that to resonate. Yeah. And I think the older we get and the more afraid we are uh, falling into the fear of the approval of man, Yeah, it is more difficult— to tell a friend about jesus because of what they're going to think about us
1: yeah yeah
0: but that statement of if this is true i'm a terrible friend if i don't tell my friend
1: yeah yeah that's that's just how I felt and i mean i still feel that way Mm -hmm. you know i I remember hearing uh one time i don't know it was an interview or or something but it was a christian like interviewing an atheist and Mm -hmm. they were asking you know why Why are you an atheist and stuff Mm -hmm. like that? And and the response, it's a very popular quote. You've probably heard it, but and I'll butcher it. But he had said something like this, that the reason I'm an atheist is because I know a lot of Christians. And if I believed what they say they believe, then I would literally crawl on broken glass across the entire nation and tell as many people as I could about it. But I don't see that happening. Mm. And it was one of those just like, Wow. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. that's 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 heavy. It's like if we, if atheists are looking at us and saying, if you, if I believed what you believe, my life would look radically different. Mm-hmm. Like what a convicting reality for oh, us as believers. Abs- to, absolutely, to look in the mirror and say, "Wow, does my life and my actions reflect what I claim that yeah. I believe?"
0: Yeah. Most non-believers are not believers because
1: of believers. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And even as a ten-year-old, yeah. I felt that. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. So
0: continue your story.
1: Then you were, yeah, t- then so, you were. T- so fast forward about, I don't know, I was 13 or so. We used to go up to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, we'd jump on a bus with no AC, like old school, you know, <laughs> school bus, roll the windows down 50 kids on a bus and drive for 20 hours from Houston to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, but we was were this, literally, was this punishment? Was uh, this, this was camp. Right? camp? Was okay. so fun. It was so fun. <laughs> Went to this place called singing Hills up in Albuquerque and uh, dude, we just we'd meet God up there every every summer, and uh, I remember one night they were uh, preaching on kind of vocational ministry mm-hmm. and kind of this you know call to uh, it was almost like altar call for vocational ministry, right. and had another one of those just like man, God is is moving in me and. Came forward and, you know, I, I cry when I get moved. Uh, I think you do too. You're a crier too, oh, aren't you? I am. Yeah, so we might cry today together. We may. We may. So we'll, <laughs> we may. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, but came forward and felt that, God. That, and, is
0: the, that is the sign that God is moving in a man's Amen, heart. Amen, brother.
1: Amen. Amen. I, I, me and Leilani prayed a long time ago. I, I used to watch her grandpa preach the gospel and he would just weep. And I remember one time praying, and it's one of those, like, you might regret this prayer, but like, Lord, don't ever, don't ever let the gospel stop just... Yes. wrecking me yes you know yes and, and he has been faithful to, mm-hmm. to keep that rolling amen so. amen but anyways go forward 13 feel I'm god a, call I'm me a, i'm about to cry i know bro <laughs> come on i'm telling you it's welling up you got yep. the, you got the little frog yeah right? yep uh but anyways come forward at 13 um got on my face weeping before the lord felt like i was called to preach um and went home gave my testimony hey i'm supposed to. I'm gonna finish high school. I'm gonna go to Bible college, you know, kind of following Bill's mm-hmm. steps. Bill, Bill was always the good kid in our family. He was like <laughs> the firstborn, like followed all the rules. And so he kind of did that track, you know, right. it was like the the Christian leader in high school and then went to Baptist Bible college and then, mm-hmm. you know, started preaching when he was, you know, 20 or whatever. And uh, so I kind of just wanted to to do that track. And I'll say this, unfortunately for me, um, discipleship was very lacking in in my environment. So, uh, my church was really good at evangelism, really good at, you know, community and, and all that. Uh, I just, there was very little mentorship, very, very mm-hmm. little discipleship. Like I said, we were latchkey kids. I was the baby of four. So I was basically raised by my older brothers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, my brother Chris says he was raised by Oprah and, you know, I, mm-hmm. I was raised by him. This is <laughs> joke. So, um, so anyways, when I turned, so after that, that calling into ministry, mm-hmm. um, from, couple years in, I would say, you know, you've heard the old phrase, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Right. Well, it was very true for me. Like, all those kids yeah. that I had invited to, to church, and a lot of them even had accepted Christ when we were kids, um, we just were growing up. We were maturing, you know, exiting middle mm-hmm. school into to high school, and all my friends kind of started partying. And I'd grown up in the same neighborhood with the same kids, you know, mm-hmm. my whole life. And, you know, I was always one of those kids of like, man, we're never going to do that. We're not going to smoke. We're not going to drink. We're not going to party. You know, we're going to stay faithful and blah, blah, blah. But that just didn't happen for me. So my the kind of turn in my story was from 15 to 18. I was um, somewhat of a prodigal kid, Mm -hmm. Um, just partying, being stupid, typical teenage stuff. Um, The weird part about my journey was, is I still loved Jesus, though, Mm -hmm. like, I was the kid that would be stoned out of my mind, but I'll share Christ with you in tears, like Mm. emotionally still drawn to the gospel. And Mm -hmm. um, so it was a really weird like conflict of the soul for me. Yes, Um, I, I didn't have an intimate relationship and or even knowledge of the Holy Spirit. So I didn't know how to process conviction or personal relationship with God. It was always me and Jesus are good. And Grace was very clear to me and so I mm-hmm. always knew I was his, that nothing can pluck me out of his hand and mm-hmm. that grace is going to abound and, and all those things. And so it was almost a it was almost a grace in vain reality, which right. is really scary looking mm-hmm. back, you know. Um, but I always knew, and this is so crazy, I always knew who I am today was who I was gonna be, but just was like, living this rebellious approach to that and mm. so looking back i wish you know you could travel back in time and oh. just punch myself in the yeah. face and have <laughs> yeah. like a bro there's a better way you yes know? um so partying being stupid i was a all-star athlete but struggling with that um i was super smart in school but struggling with that you know when you're skipping school and partying all the time it's hard mm-hmm. to make good grades and so and again there was just no accountability my parents were kind of oblivious right. you know doing their thing Met Leilani when we were seventeen. So we're both working at Chick Fil A in the Woodlands Mall in, in Texas. <laughs> um, meet this beautiful girl who was just a great person. Mm-hmm. Um, she was she kind of came from a, a more troubled background, so she I would say she was a little vulnerable in this in this time. But mm-hmm. she was such a good kid, hard worker, character through the roof. I mean, she's, you you know Leilani. Mm-hmm. She's still that person today. She's obviously grown a ton, but even even at seventeen was just mm-hmm. solid. So being a Christian and being that I had grown up in the church and even had giftings, you know, come out at a young age, I, I could talk the game mm-hmm. of, of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And honestly, at 17, I was, I was coming out of a very toxic relationship, kind of my first like high school relationship, mm-hmm. coming out of that, praise God, meet Leilani. And I was trying to kind of get my life right. I had this conviction of like, hey, the, you know, there, there should be a, a repentant moment here. Mm-hmm. So we start dating, and I would love to say that it was like a God moment right away, but I, I summarize our relationship as me corrupting a daughter of God for about nine months, if I'm mm-hmm. honest, which yeah. is pretty terrifying. Because mm-hmm. I invited her in and then kind of wooed her with my Christian game and then like was totally just a a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, really. Mm-hmm. So we were living in sin. It wasn't good. She was vulnerable, kind of rebelling away from, you know, a a very legalistic kind of controlling environment, but she was such a good kid. And so Mm -hmm. she was conflict of the soul. So it didn't last long, thankfully, after like six months of us dating, she was like, hey, you're cool, but if this is where we're going then i'm out like mm-hmm. and and it came out of her mouth choose me or choose the world mm-hmm. and i'm like oh crap you know like wow. and, and i tell people all the time praise god she was so much prettier than the world so it was like really <laughs> it was a, a really easy uh decision plus the lord had already been it's like okay all right i've got something to lose now so mm-hmm. like you know make make some decisions so we literally stopped partying mm-hmm. uh, had a real just like repentant moment of we believe some things and we're living total opposite of that. Like mm-hmm. what happens when we just get in line with what God is wanting to do. So May 3rd, I turn 18. This is back in 99. Mm-hmm. June 1st, we get married. So I'm like 30 days 18 in this like God convicting, <laughs> repenting. We're living in sin. Get your life right. So marriage just made sense. We were playing marriage already. Sure. So yeah. like what does it look like yeah. to to just like do it for real? So we eloped at 18, um, had no idea what we were doing, had no money, didn't have real jobs, had you know, really, really nothing going on. So other than God was moving and uniting us together. And so we get married. Wow. Yeah, we get married at 18. That was a big, like pivotal moment. Um, I'll, I'll give a short of like the next ten years because it, mm-hmm. it was an interesting thing. So we we committed back to church. Um, I actually started selling cars at eighteen, mm-hmm. uh, became very successful very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up for this little mom and pop store I was at became the largest independent dealer in the country. So like I was I was bombarded with just success and the American dream. And for that next like decade, I was just killing it. You mm-hmm. know, in the secular world, we were. Going to church, but I was grinding away, you know, in the retail world. I had gone off to finance school and, like, was in the finance back end, you know, retail of the industry and all this, and started really just um, idolizing success. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was running really hard after that. Now we were going to church. One thing I do so, so evangelism, I mentioned my, my dad was passionate about, and my mom, and mm-hmm. generosity. Those were the two things. If I had to mark my parents, it was mm-hmm. generosity and, and evangelism. So, praise God, they taught me that. That was the one thing I just naturally was discipled in because mm-hmm. I watched them. So, we were in, involved in our church. I was making a ton of money. You know, in my young 20s, I was probably one of the biggest givers in my church because mm-hmm. we were like legit tithers, 10% right. of gross. Like, we're, we're given our first fruits. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that that was God's hook for me to keep my heart engaged. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about the treasure principle that your yeah. your heart follows your treasure, that yep. was such a grace of God that 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 I was giving and didn't even really know what was happening internally because of that. But it also became a little bit of a crutch for me. It was almost a justification of all the uh materialistic decisions I was making, right. you know, it was like in my pride I felt like oh God is blessing me to make all of this money so that I can fund the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. I, was, I was gonna be one of those guys, right. like a, a sugar daddy Christian, uh-huh. you know, like I'm gonna mm. fund the, the kingdom <laughs> instead of actually do it, right? Yeah. And so fast forward <clears throat> to uh, mid-20s, top of my game, making tons of money, a couple hundred grand a year in my mid-20s, like, you know, we're saving and we're mm-hmm. doing all the, the right things. We were always really smart with our money and, you know, investing and saving and giving and all that stuff. Moved to Georgia after my son was born. So we migrated from Houston to Georgia. My parents and a few of my brothers had all moved, you know, for Mm -hmm. different times for different, different reasons. And anyways, we ended up there, started going to Westridge church. That was the first like cool church that Mm -hmm. I'd ever been to, like fell in love Mm -hmm. with worship and just that more Mm -hmm. contemporary style.
0: Which is now why you, you heard me say he's family, um, Westridge Church, the Church that Planted Revolution, yep. 19 years ago.
1: Yep. It's like a tapestry. It is. It is. It's it cool is. how it all connects. Yeah. It was actually cool hearing even Brian at our last network meeting talk about some of those connections. Yeah. And just as I look around the room, it's like, mm-hmm. God is good. You know, yeah. It's one of those connections. But as soon as we start going to Westridge, that's when I meet James Griffin as well, You know, the mm-hmm. pastor at, at Crosspoint, and who was also a product of Westridge right. and, and all that. So mm-hmm. that's how we kind of got into ministry. But, man, I'll never forget... Brian preached a message one Sunday on the young rich ruler. Uh, he's young, he's rich. He sees Jesus walking down the road. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? Mm-hmm. He says, you know, starts kind of giving him the 10 commandments. He interrupts Jesus. No, I've done that since I was a kid. What am I lacking? Jesus, knowing his heart, says, you want to be perfect. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. Says he gets up sad because he's rich, and he walks away. Mm-hmm. And I remember that resonating, just like, wow, he's he's asking the right person the right question, he gets the right answer, but he doesn't like it. Mm. He likes this, he likes his stuff. Wow. And he walks away. And the disciples, after this story that Jesus is telling, they're like, well, like, are we good? Like we gave up everything. You know, this, this <laughs> whole thing. But I remember it just resonated with me. And I heard a podcast like on the same thing, like a couple days later. And then a few days after that, maybe a week later, I'm I'm doing like the God, what do you want to say to me? Point to my Bible, kind of quiet time, and I'm in the story again. So now I'm reading the narrative and and it's like i was watching a feature film of my life mm. i was the kid i'm rich i'm young i'm 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 miserable right i'm i'm i've got a beautiful wife a beautiful son a beautiful home i've got this crazy good job we're in georgia going to this cool church like american dream is mine mm-hmm. but i'm miserable there's just like this empty you're not fulfilled, you're never content, you don't even have time to enjoy even the riches you have. So it was just this this constant, like, what am I doing with my life? There's got to be more. And so my life literally just flashes before my eyes. I saved you when you were seven. Gifts came out at 10, called you to preach at 13. You were a moron from 15 to 18. (laughs) And I brought Leilani into your life. You had this God, you know, conversion moment of like repentance and then I begin to pour my gifts out on you. Mm-hmm. And for the last decade, you've used all of your gifts to build your kingdom. When are you going to build mine? And I was undone, bro. Whoa. Like weeping. Wow. Snot coming out of my face, dripping on my Bible, like undone. And I just had a moment where God and I don't preach that story as a literal, this is for every believer in the mm-hmm. room, but dude, it was mine. That story was mine. Like the Lord was just speaking to me. Yeah. I wipe the snot off my face and walk you're, into the kitchen. Kind of tears. And and I and I and I tell my wife, like this is going to sound crazy. And I always tell people, I walk into the kitchen and I have the... the it was a really nice kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, babe, we're supposed to sell everything we have and follow Jesus. And she's like, what the heck are you talking about? Like at first, our yeah. first response was like, what are you... What, right. Like, are you okay? Because I'm like wiping tears out of my face. She's like, dude, you good, bro? Like, you breaking down on me? And I said, no, God's just speaking. And anyways, after 45-minute conversation, that same character of my wife of like literally came out of her mouth of Jesus is saying, do it, then what option do we have? Right. It's like, where else would we go? Like what Peter would (laughs) say, like, Lord, Lord, where else are we going to go? If you're saying it, then we're doing it. And so in 2008, bro, we sold everything we had. Um, the market was crashing, which is funny. Isn't,
0: isn't that God's kindness? Yeah. I've got,
1: I've got half a million dollars of real estate that he's asking me to sell. And I mean, we're just all it like brings us down to nothing. Long story short, we sell everything. Brutal year and a half of literally getting rid of all of our stuff. I start interning, like a residency type mm-hmm. deal at Westridge. Yeah. I'm raising support as like a local student ministry missionary. Like it's not even a real thing, but like we made up a thing so mm-hmm. that I could. Because I went to Westridge and I told him, I said, Hey, I've got this crazy story, crazy calling. I never went to Bible college. I started my career right out of high school got all these gifts and knowledge and leadership and I've been running big organizations for years but like train me disciple me and so me and James man he just starts handing me Mm -hmm. desiring God and yep you know knowing God Packer Mm -hmm. and let's go theology and let's go let's go apologetics Mm -hmm. and let's go Holy Spirit and he just I mean we just start devouring I was just so hungry for the word and started ministering to students and we just saw revival in student ministry like we we still me James and Corey my worship pastor Mm -hmm. was our worship guy in our student ministry way back in the day. And we still just remembered just the movement of God in that time. And what God was teaching me in that season was just contentment was flowing and filling me up. Like Mm -hmm. we were, we were, we went from a couple hundred grand a year to like begging for 30, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) went from beautiful house and, you know, half a million dollar house to like a rent house that was the nastiest home that I could describe. Like riches to rags, but our souls were on fire, like a peace and a passion and joy in our relationship, joy. Like we, we knew why we were alive every mm-hmm. day watching God move. And so, dude, God lit a fire in me back then mm-hmm. in, in 2008 range that just has never gone out. And so that journey from selling everything, going into full-time ministry... I was at Westridge for about three and a half years. Then got my first like full time like real job finally at a <laughs> at a little church plant in Kennesaw. James had had went to Cartersville where he's at now. We mm-hmm. were actually going to plant a church. That's a whole other podcast. We were there was God had opened up a couple of church plant opportunities. Oh, oh I didn't that, know that. Oh yeah, no, me, James, and Corey were going, we were off to Miami, bro. We were doing it. Oh, then, oh yeah, okay,
0: yes, I do know that. Story. Yes. And then God shifted, and which
1: was such a sovereign moment of the Lord just directing our path, and mm-hmm. then and then making it all make sense, you know, many years later, but. Really hard season of transition there, but ended up in Kennesaw, was there on staff for seven Mm -hmm. years. They finally ended up sending me off to Bible college and finally got the degree that I said I was going to get and all that. So that was just a really cool redemptive story for me personally. Like Mm -hmm. that piece of paper doesn't mean much to anybody. It means a lot to me though, because when I was 13, I said I was going to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so... Got, you know, finally like officially trained and blah, 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 leading groups, discipleship, student ministry. You know, we were, we were killing it watched this thing grow up. And then fast forward to almost current where, you know, five years ago we started really becoming students of just multiplication and church planting. And so that's where, that's where God birthed Creekside in me. that um, started with a, a really cool discipleship vision uh, mm-hmm. through a prayer that I had asked the Lord um, that has wrecked me yet again and what what did that look like and is beginning to unfold so so we uh we were getting ready uh to do it was actually we were going to do a multi-site plant uh because you know the way we talk about multiplication was you had like your you know missional like house church mm-hmm. you had your multi-site or mm-hmm. you had like your autonomous church plant. so a bit a right?
0: multi-site of LifeBridge church correct okay. so
1: we were looking at north paulding where we had lived for over a decade okay. we were in kennesaw so it was about a 20 minute commute different city different mm-hmm. community uh different school district different county you know so we were thinking that that was going to be the move and in that process i really um i'm trying to think how to make it short so i was sitting in a meeting one day and we were looking at stats actually brian and mike lynch and a couple pastors at some bigger churches were doing some some just discipleship conversations with some young pastors and we were talking about discipleship nationwide and long story short the stats we were looking at was the the American church is awesome at everything except discipleship mm-hmm. was was kind of the bottom line. Like right. programs, buildings, leadership, packing seats, taking, you know, missions, programs, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But when you narrow down to like lay person in your church, how confident and competent are they to actually like share the gospel with their neighbor, mm-hmm. win them to Christ, and then teach them how to follow Jesus right. in a way that begins to just multiply natural mm-hmm. discipleship. And I remember hearing those stats and and God just like Mess me up. Like, I, I remember I was a little angry and like, what are we doing? Like, I'm, I'm in the room literally with the smartest guys I know, thinking, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Then, what are we doing? And then the Lord asked me, Well, like, bro, you run discipleship in your church. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> it, was, it, was like, it went from pride to humility sure. really quick. Yeah. Right? And I was like, Well, Lord, you're right. And so yeah. I, I prayed a prayer that day, leaving that meeting. I said, Lord, if I'm going to start something, What is this? Was the prayer? What does every Christian on the planet? What do we need to know, and what do we need to be able to teach in order to be obedient to what you told us to do? Mm -hmm. And I I can narrow obedience down biblically pretty simply because Jesus did. So He gave us a commission: Mm -hmm. go into the world and make disciples, right? Preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey. He summarized the commandments in one sentence, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So we we all get the cliche saying, love God, love people, make disciples, right? Mm-hmm. You'll find that on most banners in American church lobbies sure. of, of some sort, right? And so if it really is just loving God, loving people, and making disciples, Lord, what does every Christian on the planet need to know and be able to do in order to actually be obedient mm-hmm. to that? So I wrestled with the Lord for a couple of weeks, just kept praying. And I'm going to keep praying, Lord, until you tell me the answer to that, because I need to know, because that, that's going to give me an assignment of like, I know what to do, because mm-hmm. I know what obedience is. And so here it is, man. Uh, one day I get a vision, a picture of a bicycle. It was just an old school, single <laughs> speed, like the most basic bike you can think of. And it was like a clear picture. And the Lord doesn't normally speak to me in pictures. So it was mm-hmm. really like kind of bizarre. So I'm wrestling with the Lord like, okay, what, what, why are you putting this image in my mind? What does this mean? And then this is how I knew it was God. I knew it's like I was having a conversation with Jesus because now he's answering my question with a question, which mm-hmm. is just what Jesus does, right? Mm-hmm. And he asked me a question. He said, if I taught you how to ride this and I sent you into the entire world to teach as many people to ride this as possible, what would you teach them? Mm. And I was like, okay. So my kids, you know, they're grown now, but... Uh, I thought back when they were four or five years old and I literally walked through the process. What did I teach them? And I walked through, you know, I sat them on the bike and this is how you balance and this is how you go and this is how you Mm -hmm. steer and this is how you stop. So like I kind of narrowed down what were the basic, most fundamental things that I taught my children and those were them. You have to balance, you have to pedal, you have to steer and you have to stop. And if you can do those four things, I can let go of the back of the seat and you can ride if you can't do all four of those things, you will never ride. So mm-hmm. it was like this fundamental thing. Like you can't, right. you can't do two out of three. You can't right. just pedal and steer and not balance. You mm-hmm. can't just balance and not steer. And, pe- you know, yeah. there was no combination of those. Like every time you get on your bike, you pedal, you balance, you steer and you stop. And so then I was like, okay, this is cool. But in my mind, I'm like, what does this have to do with discipleship? Like, mm-hmm. Lord, what do we, What what is this dialogue? Where are sure. we going with this? And the, the content just started to flow. I call it a Holy Spirit download because I'm just not this smart. Mm-hmm. And I needed the Lord to give me like fifth grade level knowledge of what this is going to look like. Because when I prayed that prayer, I didn't say this earlier, but I also said, what does every Christian on the planet need to know and be able to teach? But also my son at the time was going into sixth grade. I need him to get it. Because mm-hmm. I think kids are supposed to love God. I yeah. think kids are supposed to love Amen. people and kids are supposed to make disciples. Amen. So what's like the easiest, basic way to do this. And so pedal, balance, steer, and stop. Okay, Lord, what does that mean in the context of discipleship? And so what he showed me was the, the balance was the Holy Spirit. The Word of God was the steering. The gospel was the go, the pedaling, and prayers was the break. Mm-hmm. There was this combination of if you're walking in the power of the Spirit, that's the balance. You're, you're moving with the, the power of the gospel. Go into the world and preach the gospel. That was the, the movement. The word was your guide. That was the steering. So like even the analogy started to just unfold. Yeah. The word is going to guide you. That's the steering. <clears throat> I loved even the balance being the Holy Spirit because like when I taught my kids how to balance, what I didn't do is teach them gravity. I didn't open up a science book and teach them physics and gravity of how balance works. It's mm-hmm. kind of like this mystical force that's there mm-hmm. and you just kind of got to feel it. So just roll with it. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So the the spirit was the the balance, the gospel was the go, the word was the, the steering, and then sometimes you got to slow down. Sometimes you got to stop, and mm-hmm. that was the, the prayer piece. And so for me, it broke down into three parts right after this. So I see the bike, I see the balance, pedal, steer, stop. Then it was gospel, Holy Spirit, word of God, prayer. And then it broke down into three parts where it was you, you've got to know some things about these elements. Mm-hmm. Then you got to begin to experience these things, and then once you've experienced them, you'll teach those things. Cause you are always going to teach something that you've personally experienced right. with much more passion. So it's not just knowledge transfer. You can't skip the experience piece. You actually have to practice, right? So then it was just this idea of, okay, if every believer on the planet, if we're walking every day in the power of the spirit, we're, we're abiding in the spirit. We're devouring God's word. We're gospel ready at all times. And we are prayed up, mm-hmm. bro, we'll change the world. Mm. Like, That's all the disciples did. They walked in the power of the Spirit. They were people of prayer. They were having gospel conversations, and they were teaching the Word. And so for me, it was like, okay, if I can look across the crowd and all of my people know how to ride, and they know, because most of us, especially listeners, if you were a kid and or a parent, we all have the ability to teach a child how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. Like most of us have done it, Mm -hmm. right? So there is no excuse of like, oh, I'm not gifted, or I'm not an evangelist, or I'm not a preacher, or I'm not a... Like, no, I'm saying fundamentally teach a kid how to ride a bike. You don't
0: have to be Lance Armstrong.
1: Super simple, right? And then I love the cliche saying, it's like riding a bike, because something clicks the moment you put those elements together. Mm-hmm. The dad finally lets go of the back of the seat, and they take off. And then like from that moment on, for the rest of your life, something inside your body clicks, and you just know how to do it, Right. But what's really cool is is when I taught. So then I was I was thinking about like as I was watching my kids learn how to ride their bike. Well, you look out the window a couple of weeks later, and they're flying down the hill. They're doing bunny hops and wheelies and jumping curbs and doing all kinds of advanced things that you didn't teach them how to do. Right. All you taught them was the fundamentals and you let go of the back of the Mm seat. And then as they went, they were getting stronger and faster and more endurance and skill set kicks in Mm -hmm. and preference and culture and context and all this stuff begins to just naturally unfold. And so what the Lord was showing me was teach the basic fundamentals. There was this phrase that the Lord kept saying, it matters where you start. It matters where you start. Start with gospel, Holy Spirit, word of God, and prayer, and not not two out of four, not three out of four, all four of those things as believers every single day, and I tell people this all the time, I can teach you in like a couple days how to ride, how to walk in the spirit, who he is, how to pray, how to read God's word, basic Christian things. What I can't do is I can't make you get on your bike. I can teach you how to ride. I can't make you get on your bike. That's good. But if you will, and you ride as far and as fast as you can every day, you get stronger, more endurance, mm. further distance, skill sets start to come from nowhere, preference and culture, and like all these things. Mm-hmm. And then God just takes you on this journey of, mm-hmm. of riding. And so, yeah, man, it was gospel, Holy Spirit, Word of God, prayer, pedal, balance, steer, and stop. You got to know it, experience it, and teach it. And then I just started riding, man. I was, God was putting scriptures. There was this 12 sessions, you know, four parts, three things, know it, experience it, teach it, blah, blah, blah. And it, it unfolded. And what that did for me, Was God then birthed in me in that moment? You're supposed to actually plant a church. This isn't going to be a life bridge, Paulding County campus. Like I'm calling you to do something. This is a fresh work, a a fresh download. Go, go, do it. So um, it was just really cool. It was super affirming how all of that worked, and Mm -hmm. you know there was no tension, you know, um, amongst me and our sending church, and then. You know, we partnered up with you guys and our whole network, and you know, just started the process of of planting Creekside. So. That,
0: that is such an awesome story. Come on, um, I mean, from childhood on. But I remember—I uh, don't know if you do—I remember the first time you told me about riding a bicycle, and it was right down the hall here. Yeah, and we had a bunch of pastors in here for lunch, and afterwards, you know, in that connection that we had, yeah, um, you shared that, and I want to encourage you you shared that with me 6 years ago with the exact same passion that you just shared it. Yeah, come on. And I saw on your face the same passion. I love it. To go and make disciples. That. Um Appreciate that is that. that is really awesome. Yeah. And now um this passion that you had to uh answer the call to go plant this church. Uh you are now planting churches. Yeah. So so what is Creekside doing now to fuel the gospel and send the gospel forward?
1: Yeah, so you know we finally September 2019 launched Creekside um which September what? September 2019. So 6 <laughs> great, months Great. Great time. <laughs> 6 months before good old COVID-19, right? It was like <laughs> crazy, man. So but you know I love I love God and his sovereign timing and um it's always in hindsight, right? Like mm-hmm. the suffering and the trials. Like in the moment, you never consider them pure joy, but you can look back and say, consider that pure joy. <laughs> the trials of many kinds, because yep. I was doing something, yep. right? Oh, sure. That perseverance and mm-hmm. that faith and mm-hmm. that character, and and mm-hmm. so yeah. Six months into the pen, you know, six months into our plant, pandemic hits, everything shuts down. Two years of chaos. So like literally, we're just now in you know 2023 at the time of this recording coming out into <laughs> s- what. Is the new normal? You know, is the language we use now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God's been faithful. It's been really, really cool. And then in that time, not only not only did we stay alive, but we we've been thriving. Our, our church is is been steadily growing. Super. Uh, we raised a ton of money up front, which was very helpful. Just the grace of God. Again, part of generosity from. Churches like Revolution and Westridge and some of our partner churches Mm -hmm. that just came huge to the table. And
0: you may remember when Greg Sizemore came to Revolution a few years ago uh, in that process. And Pastor Jason brought you up on stage to say, "Hey,
1: this this is how we are going
0: to fund the gospel." That's right.
1: That's right. And so launched really strong, even through the chaos, we're we're surviving. And and then you know historically, you know we're about this September will be our four year anniversary and. Mm It's really cool. We've been able to um, partner heavily, investing in uh, Paul Richardson Planting Takehold Church in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll actually be there in, in a couple of weeks to, to visit them. It's going to be really, really cool. Um,
0: I've, I've kind of—that's <clears throat> uh, a great trip
1: you guys are going on. Yeah, but I'm, yeah.
0: I'm going to lead the golf mission trip. Absolutely, yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah Absolutely, yeah. We,
1: we might actually get to play a little golf. They said there's a small chance that we might get to go check that there, out. There are so, a couple
0: of courses there that you might be want amazing. to check out. Yeah.
1: Uh, so anyways, we planted our first uh, global church in Scotland, uh, and then I'm super excited too. We have a resident right now that we are uh, planting our first local church as well. So we're taking them through our residency process and connecting them with our, our networks and training them up and sending them out in January. So um, to be as young as we are, to have mm-hmm. already planted a church across mm-hmm. the sea and then to plant one in our backyard, that feels super encouraging to me. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we've felt
0: as you and uh, Chris Renfro have been in here and Paul Richardson each each with this moment of hey even before well, Chris Renfro even before they had a building they had planted two churches yep. uh, Paul Richardson opportunity to go be a senior pastor at a mega church in Huntington Beach California and saying, no, I really feel God is calling me to be a missionary and raise yeah. my support yep. and go to scotland which is one to two percent evangelical yeah
1: yeah it's gonna be amazing yeah it's gonna be so and, cool. and so
0: very encouraging that a young church plant is planting churches so good and, and that and that is our heart here at revolution yeah but it's so good to see it in action yeah and, yep. and i'm moved and provoked by that so thank Man. you Man. thank you so good. i know you just got back from africa yeah um and you were able to do something that god birthed in you yeah through that prayer of what do you want christians to know
1: man that it was it's so cool i think back so whenever i was having that what i called a holy spirit download i remember sharing with you and a couple of other people there was a Guy by the name of Matt Warren. He was at mm-hmm. the time the missions guy at Crosspoint. Right, you know, which now he's leading a, a ministry called EFI um, that we're partnering with as well. So we've got a couple other missional partners that we're helping fund as well, where they're just teaching and training. Um, so I'll get to go to Africa again, probably with him, to do some stuff. But. There's a woman in our church. Uh, oh, I brought up Matt for a reason. Um, we were sitting down having breakfast, and I remember uh, just a prophetic word that he had for me. And I don't, I don't know if he knew it was prophetic, but it was super powerful in the moment. I, I shared very similar to how I just shared with you, just the walking through how the whole bike thing mm-hmm. came. And he looked at me, and he was almost like giddy, excited. Like it was awkward. Like, actually, like I could feel his excitement, mm-hmm. and it was actually awkward. And he looked at me, and he said, listen, man, Write that book, making disciples. It's like riding a bike. Plan it out. Gospel, Holy Spirit, Word of God, prayer. No experience, to teach. Like I mean, just just write that down. Make it super simple. Get it printed. Put it in my hand. And what he said was, is I'll put this in every missionary's hand that I know all over the world, and they would start using it tomorrow. And what he said, he said that bike language is global. That's what he said. That was the mm. word that just like stuck to wow. me. Wow. He said that bike language is global. He said probably even more around the world than here because like we go mountain biking for fun or 10 speed racing for cardio, Mm -hmm. but like that's a way of life and and a lot of it's transportation. That's right. And he said, "Man, it's global." And I was just like, like in that moment, I'm sitting there thinking, like almost like a a Sarah hearing, "I'm going to get pregnant at 100," just laughing at God. Right? It was one of those. (laughs) I'm I'm preaching through Genesis right now, so this is fresh fresh (laughs) on my mind. Weird analogy, but I was literally mm-hmm. just laughing, like, bro, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not a global, you know, mm-hmm. content preacher type guy. But, dude, that stuck with me, man. Um, and I so I, I wrote it, did it, you know, we created an app and we teach it, you know, through, through our church um, and started classes and started writing all this stuff. But then an opportunity came up. There's a woman in our church uh, that started a ministry called Lydia Circle, where they just do basic evangelism for women in Malawi. It's kind of their main mm-hmm. main area in the central kind of east, east-central uh, Africa she comes to me, she went through my bike class and she comes to me and she said, Hey, I love this material. Could I share this with some of our pastors? And I was like, of course I like, can mm-hmm. you know, share. it. And so she shared it with her kind of on the ground missionary there. And they then a couple of weeks later said, Hey, could we take this material? Could we translate it into our local language and can we start teaching this? And I was like, of course, like, yes. that's amazing. You know? So we actually funded that, you know, mm-hmm. they needed, it was like, I don't know, 1500 bucks or whatever, here's what you need. And they could print it really cheap. And so they, they made the books, making disciples, it's like riding a bike, took all the material, made a little 12 chapter book that, so like there's a African version of this book that I've yet to produce <laughs> in America yet. It's just a digital <laughs> app that was just easier, right? But then they asked me to come and teach it and bro, so humbling. So overwhelmed with the opportunity that I just had to fly 16 hours to Africa to sit around 30 plus local village pastors who were just starving for any type of systematic discipleship. We're in this little city called Salima, which is on the north side of Malawi, which I didn't know this, but it's like the bike capital of Malawi, right? <laughs> I had no idea. So I show up, and there's bikes everywhere. I mean, like, literally, they're, they're either walking or riding a bike. That's just how they travel. So I go through three days, you know, just teaching. Um Man, I think I preached like eight times in six days or something, but just walking through all of those mm-hmm. fundamentals, who is the Holy Spirit, what is the gospel, what is the word of God, what is prayer, and then how do you experience the word and experience the spirit and experience the gospel and so on. And then how do we teach it? How do we how do we learn how to ride and teach people how to ride? You know, mm-hmm. I can teach you how to ride, but I can't make you get on your bike, you right. know, type challenge. And dude, they ate it up, man. It was it was so good. It was so so good to just get to to see a prophetic word at a little biscuit shop five years ago, just literally unfolding, you know, in <laughs> in front of my eyes. And they yeah. were just loving it, and it was really cool. Um, not only was the teaching really cool, but they they also do some evangelism training. And so, what was my favorite part of this trip wasn't the teaching of the bike, although that was humbling and cool. Uh, we took about fifty of us and just went two by two uh after those sessions, walked through the villages and we're just sharing the gospel. Bro, we saw three hundred people come to know Jesus in wow. three days. Amazing. Like I personally got to lead like 30 people to Christ. Like no one said no, bro. It was like <laughs> oh man. Overwhelming.
0: Dude. When when there is a hunger like that. That's right. And I mean you talk about the the harvest
1: is plenty. Well it's funny you said that. That was the words that came out of the local pastor. He so we're in his backyard, literally in the backyard of of the church um, building where where they gather. He said, man, I miss this kind of ministry. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, I, I miss just going out in the streets and sharing the gospel. Like, he, And he quotes, he says, the, the harvest is plentiful, but mm-hmm. the workers are few. And it was a really cool moment for me to see the pastor being challenged. Like, mm-hmm. bro, we're in your backyard and 300 people just said yes to Christ, like, we didn't have to travel far, you know? And so it was even cool just watching God stir in his heart this compassion again for the gospel. And, hey, we got to share the, the faith and we got to share the truth. Because he even said, he goes, man, I get so busy in my clergy work that mm-hmm. I'm not doing this. Yeah, And so it's not just an American problem that we're good at everything but discipleship. Like it, it's We get so lost in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of just church and theology and doctrine and denominations and it's like we've overcomplicated it so much that there's so much data and information. We almost don't know what to do. And so what I felt like the Lord did for me was let me take you back to the place where it all starts. And then it matters where you start, like start somewhere with the basic fundamentals, Mm -hmm. teach people like a four or five year old, they'll grab it. Mm -hmm. And then if you'll inspire them to just keep going man, I'm going to take him places. We're going to travel the world. kind of thing.
0: It's an incredible story. And I love the simplicity of it. Yeah. Uh, it matters where you start. Come on. Uh, the bicycle is global. And if, if we have something, if we have the deposit of the gospel in us, right. and we have the opportunity and the ability to shout it from atop the mountain, That's right. how terrible a friend are we if we <laughs> don't tell our friends? That's good. But if we had the cure for cancer, that's right oh we'd be all over Facebook
1: that's right well we have the cure for hell that's right
0: and that's right uh, I'm I'm so encouraged and um there it is I'm so convicted come on I talk a big game mm. and I, and I say I didn't know Jesus till I was 45 and I don't I don't know how much time I have left come on I don't want to play church that's good I I do not want to play church
1: amen it's a work of the spirit. Mm. It's a work of the spirit. I pray that every day, God teach us, teach us what it looks like to just be obedient. What does it look like for us to ride tomorrow, man? Yep. You know, come mm. on. I love your heart, dude.
0: Thank you. Love you too. Um, that is uh, the Grow People Podcast, <laughs> and I, I hope, I hope there was some nugget in there love that it. you take away. And and what I've heard this summer is that each. Each of our guests are church planters, uh, Paul Richardson and Chris Renfro and Greg Sizemore. In a couple of weeks, we'll have Dakota Adair, yep. who is planning a church in Texas. I love it. Um, each time, uh, people have left uh, listening provoked and encouraged. And uh, I thank you for coming and preaching at Revolution mm, and, and being a part of Pastor Jason's sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Um, people are asking me all the time, how's the sabbatical going? Um, I get a chance to connect with him and talk to him and text with him. And each significant moment of his sabbatical has uh, been really rich for him. It's awesome. Uh, whether it's been rest or coaching or marriage retreat or individual counseling, it's it's been a really rich uh, time for Pastor Jason. And I, I think it's going to be great for our church. And I can't wait for him to come back and yeah. – and download everything
1: that so uh, that he's heard from God. So important. I love I love that y'all do that for him, man. Pastor's mm-hmm. health and rest and mm-hmm. renewal is so important. Mm-hmm. So love. Well, it. Thank you,
0: thank you for being here on the Grow People Podcast. Our producer is Brian Damero. Uh Tyler, our intern, is uh, back there. I know he is, isn't he? Keon, our video production expert, uh, is also. Helping out, our uh, key grip is not here today. Uh, Jacob Pushchakovsky—that's actually his real name. The rest are all fake names. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So just to just to help <laughs> you out here. Uh, so our our head of doctrine and theology is a theologian.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Good old yeah. Theo. Thea. Thea. Well,
0: Thea. 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 Yeah.
1: Thea. I, yeah. I got you. That Makes sense.
0: Um, our uh, our chief evangelist is Salvation. Salvator Vation. <laughs> uh, our backsliding prevention officer. Oh, lukewarm. Yeah, Luke's been a big help oh, our, our, our translator is Lexicon. Khan uh, our, our lineage specialist is genealogy uh, our, you're, you're the best this one you're, you're laughing at them all this this is is on. Our, our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn again That's my, my favorite one Our, our reformed theology advisor is Calvanism um, Our expert on Russian eschatology Heat
1: off hell. <laughs> Get oh it. my god! These
0: are great. Uh, our director of holiness is mortification. Um, the uh, staff counselor um, been a big help, uh, especially this summer. It's less moody. Uh, nice. Less moody. Good. Our our giving coordinator is generosity. Um, our director of tithing is Tim Percent. Uh, Tim Percent. Tim. Our nativity coordinator. She's from France, but lives in Israel. Bethlehem, <laughs> get it? Uh, Bethlehem, oh, she's French. You have, um, the, yes. you have the and, the, yeah. that's no, good. Uh, our co-pastors of plagues are Manny Locusts and, <laughs> and Lance Boyles. Oh, um, Our eschatology professor from Ireland is uh, Mark O. the Beast. Um, Mark O. the Beast. Uh, heading up our Legal Policies and Procedure Department. Uh, also from France, Stone Table. Stone Table. He's very legalistic. Stone Table. Um, our director of communication is Bernie Bush. And. and I just our,
1: almost spit my coffee. <laughs>
0: and our director of Western States Church Planting is California. Amen. Cali, California. Amen. Uh, for a transcript of this show, just write down everything we said. Um, and finally. Pastor Jason's encouragement at the end of every podcast, trust God and take a nap. Mm-hmm. Greg Sizemore, um, what I want listeners to hear from me is I want you today to pray for Creekside Church, pray for the Sizemores, pray for their church plants, and when you are being generous, when you are taking that step of obedience and giving here at Revolution Church, just know that that you are funding the gospel yeah. all over Georgia and in Texas and in Africa with our church plants in Kenya and in Scotland. Man, so good.
1: Thank That's you. Good.